It's computer. Yes. Right, we're on. Welcome. Hello. What, what up? What up? What up? What's going on? What's going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Spice Up the Chat. Uh, we're here on a Sunday morning doing a live recording. Usual three in the house. Got myself. Got Karthik. Hello. Got Ranjit. Hey. Talk to me, boys. What's happening? How's your week's been? It's been. I don't know. I was gonna say good, but then I had to like reevaluate. Like, was it actually good? I, I think we we had to redefine the meaning of good now, because <laughs> good, good just means doing like fuck all. Yeah. Or oh, good means good means bad. I just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Whoa. Ooh. That's that's cool. That's cool. I'm down with that. I'm down with yeah. that. Yeah, that's fine. You Let all that emotion get bottled up. I'm with you. Yeah, I know. I'm just gonna bottle it up and explode like a volcano. No, it's been good. It's been good. I've been sorting out my <laughs> stupid washing machine. That's been pissing me off. Uh, another one. Another thing's gone wrong. Bruv, just oh, anyway. I feel bad yeah, for you, man. Just I can't deal with it right now. It's it's fine. It's working, but it's like I, I don't know what's wrong with it. It just it sometimes makes uh, clothes smell with like mildew and stuff. Can I'm I just like, clarify that when you say washing machine, you're referring to the machine and not Jen? Like just just. Wow. Sure. Is that yeah. what wow. it is? How long we into the podcast now? Listen, uh, hold up. A minute and a half. Filter doing bits. I have, I'm sorry, I, have, I just want to clarify. I have issues. Like... I have issues. If anything, I am the washing machine. Because you might okay. have pet names for each other. Washing machine, vacuum cleaner, ironing board. I don't know. <laughs> ironing board. <laughs> I tell the ironing board. Uh, I, I don't know. No, it was it was... It was definitely the washing machine that we plug into the socket. Okay. Just one. FYI, everyone, I'm not sexist. I, I do the washing in my house. I, I operate it. So exactly, I do. I do the washing. There. I do I'm the laundry in the house. I'm a uh, you don't have to drop that bar, but I like that. <laughs> you try to win. You try to win back the uh, the audience, but I like that. That's that's what we got. Too late. Too late. They turned off. Everyone's definitely turned off. Have you, have you met my wife? Of course, I'm a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> She's strong, independent. She is strong. Oh, how about you, Ranjit? Yeah, I mean, uh, my week's been good. Um, sun was shining yesterday, so we all went out. So that was quite nice. Yeah, weather's been so, nice. Yeah, man. Today, spent the morning catching up on the UFC from last night. So watching the highlights. And then I ended up going on a, a trajectory on YouTube again. Started watching random videos. As you do. Fun, as you fun, do. Fun fact about Jaffa cakes. Two billion Jaffa cakes are made a year. Every year at the factory in Manchester. Two or billion more. Jaffa cakes. Two billion. Two in just, billion. just from Manchester, bruv. Yeah, I like They're a Jaffa cake. And anything orange and chocolate up there. Makes me appreciate even more. Mm. I'm going to pick up, a, pick up a box after this. Don't know. Ah, Top, bro, that's, total that, eclipse. Okay, but that's like, that's like, okay, for you, that makes you appreciate it. For me, I'm like, two billion? That's a lot. I'm going to cut down. I don't need Jaffa cakes anymore. Whoa. No, you do, you do. You, you need this, Jaffa cakes in life. This is interesting as well, because you said you watched that whole... Uh, oh, seaspiracy, bro! And game changer. Oh, now you want to be a vegan? No. How's that going for you, man? It's I. I'm, I didn't say I'm gonna go full vegan. Okay, I said I am very close to going vegan, and maybe in my life I will consider going vegan. <laughs> I've started making cuts, so um, lunches are now usually just vegan food. I don't know how I feel about these documents. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. And the reason why I haven't seen it is because I'm like, I'm quite health conscious with my food as well in terms of, you know, why I buy, why I eat, this and other. I'm thinking this is just going to like turn me into like, you know, eating grass. It'll make, it'll make you and more like, Have you ate grass? It don't taste good. No, it will make you more conscious for sure about it will what, definitely you wanna, make you what you want to, what you want to yeah. do to obviously um, do your part. But mm. it's difficult when you're a Sri Lankan Tamil. Oh, Tell me about it. I'm like, when you got when you got all the when you got all the food that you do and the variety that you have, Mm. I don't know if I could give up. I'll probably cut back, which I think realistically I can do. You know what? That's 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 my aim. First is I'm gonna try to send me a TikTok video. What your mom's on TikTok? No, I don't know. She just sent me a TikTok video (laughs) on WhatsApp. Your mom's ahead of the game. Shit, bro. I even I don't have TikTok, bro. I'm like, I just can't. I'm okay with Instagram. I'm happy with that. That's my level of comfortability. But yeah, um, after watching Game Changer, it was very much about the health, health benefits of it. I was like, okay, cool. Maybe I should go a little bit more vegan. Just try to eat a little bit more fruits and veggies. And then after watching Seaspiracy, I'm like, no, man. Just stats. It's like, by, if, we, if we don't stop fishing the way we do, 
by 2048, there'll be no fishes in the sea. Yeah, it's, it's that's our lifetime, bro. That's not even like and for, our ch- children. Even if you think about the future as well, that's just we're just setting them up for the exactly first in terms of yeah. Um, but it's it's just it's scary it's, when you look at these documentaries. And definitely if you don't generally make a change, then yeah, that that's mm. a worrying thing as well on its own. So no, hundred percent. I'll probably try and make a change. Yeah. The cutback, man. I'm trying to. I've I've switched from milk to oat milk, and that's not going great. I mean, I've been the almond milk for for a while, as <sighs> as everyone here nice, knows. Man, I like almond milk. It, mm, unsweetened. That's what it is. Coconut milk is the one for me. I you love. Tried a goat milk. Coconut. Yes. No, haven't tried. Dude, no yes, I do have. Can't do it. I like it. I can imagine it to be a little bit creamy. like, yeah, yeah. Have you you tried yeah, feta? Right. I've tried feta cheese. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Feta's goat goat cheese, isn't it? I don't know. No, I yeah. think that on the two really? different things. I thought feta was goat cheese. No, I think goat cheese is goat cheese. I think that's what they call it. <laughs> Allow it. Goat cheese is goat cheese. Goat cheese. Is goat. Oh my lord! It's, oh, mate. Morning, it's, folks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Fine, fine. I got it wrong. I thought feta was goat cheese. Feta is different. All oh, right. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. This, this, this ain't Master Chef. This ain't Master Chef. Oh, this is this is all kind of wrong, Gordon bro. Ramsay's like, listening to this portion, being like, "You are a stupid you, sandwich. You're an you're idiot a sandwich. sandwich. You're idiot a sandwich. Idiot sandwich. I can't remember what That's he what said about want. the curries. Not... <laughs> he said he he goes. <laughs> my favorite one said, "That pig is so raw. It's still singing Akuna Matata." I love, I love Yo. how creative he is with his insults. Love I mean? like on the spot as well. Oh, You're so angry. Great, you want to tell them how much of an idiot they are, but he comes up with these really smart ways of putting you down. Mate, I'm telling you, oh. that's David Amber, Gordon Ramsay's a British icon. <laughs> spot on, man. Spot on. Um, Nuri, what did you want? You wanted to bring up about the whole ESL, man. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to briefly touch on the uh, the European Super League. Uh, which has dominated everyone's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok timelines beginning of uh, beginning of the week. Um, it's just a, obviously it's, it's not really happening or it's not happening to the level that it was originally uh, discussed. And it's just a complete fuckery. So I wanted to talk about it because I felt I felt so robbed of being a football fan um, earlier on this week. But I'm glad that the clubs have done a U-turn. So for anyone who doesn't really know what's going on. Tell me, tell uh, me. I don't know anything about this. Cool. So uh, Real Madrid's uh, president, I forgot his name, Perez, whatever. So he basically masterminded this whole European Super League where the elites of Europe um, would basically form their own league instead of basically competing in their usual domestic league. So where you've got La Liga, Bundesliga, Premier League, whatever it is. Sorry, not uh, Bundesliga, uh, uh, League One in France and whatnot. The elites of that uh, of those uh, groups of those um, uh, what's the fucking word football leagues leagues Competition. Yeah, it's too early in the morning still my coffee hasn't hit me of those leagues you at your cup as well. <laughs> <laughs> what is in this cup um, so they they'll basically get together to form yeah this European Super League and what they'll do is week in week out you'll literally see the heavyweights play out against each other so literally week in week out will be Liverpool Real Madrid Liverpool, Man United, Liverpool, Barcelona. Why am I mentioning fucking Liverpool? Man United, Arsenal. Man United, Liverpool. Man uh, Liverpool again. Man United, Real Madrid. Man United, Barcelona. This that, right, the other. We so get the idea. That's, that's what it is, yeah. Uh, and that's what they wanted to do. So basically, they will literally like have this poor, uh, group of 20 teams, I believe it was going to be, uh, battling out in their own league. Now, the problem with that is um, UEFA, sorry, FIFA, everyone, the main governing bodies, they got together and be like, nah, mate, you ain't doing that because you're basically going to destroy what football is because obviously yeah, everyone wants to see, you know, their teams play, but you want to see your teams play against a wide, a wide variety of opposition, not just battling out in the elites. That's why we have obviously, you know, the magic of the Champions League because you don't know what's going to happen, mm. you know? Uh, and that's why you have like the Premier League, for example. Again, you don't know what's going to happen. Like the likes of, in our lifetime, we've seen Blackburn win the Premier League. We've seen, you know, Lister, Lister win the Premier League. And these are teams you would not even fathom thinking, yeah, they'll win it. But it has happened. And that's the magic of what football is. 
Uh, and then when you try and create this, this super league, which is literally financially motivated. Uh, so they were saying basically the winners of the normal Champions League, as we see it now, is 120 million. With the European Super League, the winner of the European Super League would win 400 million. What? 400 million. Okay. So obviously the financial incentive is there. Now, the other issue is, and this is where the fans really, really got together and kind of fought for it is, say, for example, you look at uh, the Premier League or the FA Cup, okay? If, for example, you have a fixture that comes up like Man United versus, I don't know, give me a very, very local local team that's not even like, you know, in any big leagues. Uh, uh, all right, let's call it Leighton Orient or Redbridge and Dagenham, for example. Okay. okay. So Redbridge, imagine FA Cup tie, Redbridge and Dagenham versus Man United. We know Redbridge and Dagenham do not have the finances needed to compete on such a high level. But by playing a team like Man United, for that fixture right, alone, okay. you consider TV rights, the people coming through, footfall, merchandising, they will make an absolute killing. And it's these little things here and there that mm. allow the little clubs to keep on thriving, keep on playing, keep staying in business. When you take these big attractions out, the little clubs are going to struggle massively. Right, and it's yeah. the way the Premier League and the way all these leagues are, uh, you know, are worked. It's like, it's, like a, it's like a pyramid, you know, everyone helps each other to a degree kind of thing through fixtures mm. and all that stuff. By obviously taking the big guns out, you're literally leaving the Premier League with... So imagine the Premier League without the top six. That's what the Premier League right. would be if the ESL happened. And another thing FIFA said was, you know what, if you guys decide to join the Super League, every player that plays in the Super League is not going to be legible to play for your own country on an international level. So that is how deep they were going to try and fight wait, 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 it. What did you say? They, they're not yeah. going to be able to pay it they, they for the not, international? Correct. So, for example, if the likes of, you know, Man United were to join it, you would not see uh, Rashford playing for England because he would no. be banned from playing for England. So that's how deep the governing bodies went to be like, no, we're against this, we're not for this. So uh, literally 48 hours after this ESL announcement was made, all the fans like kind of, you know, rioted, well, not physically rioted, but they just went ham, you know, fans showed their support. Mm. They were like, football is dead. Uh, and then the clubs all made a U-turn. But as a result of that, all the, um, the kind of VPs and all that, they all stepped down, they all resigned because they fucked up so hard. All the fans called for the resignations. They're like, how dare you take this away from the fans? You were also um, financially motivated. We don't want you anymore. So there's a big shift mm. now uh, in football. Uh, and that obviously leads me onto the thing about, you know, when you have all these giants who focus so much on financial benefit rather than what the people want, what the consumers want, what the fans want, you try and make the rich richer mm. and the not so rich, you will technically be making them poorer. So that's what the whole ESL thing was about that I wanted to kind of uh, talk about. What's your thoughts yeah. on the whole thing? But like, I was going to say one more thing was that obviously we had the fair big few big clubs that joined this ESL, but a few of them were approached, for example, PSG, Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. They were approached as well, but they refused to join the ESL themselves. PSG, I think, said yes. Oh, really? No, no, they, uh, didn't. they didn't say yes. No, oh, no, did they say yes? No. They said no, yeah. They said so no. I know Bayern and Dortmund said no. Yeah, so those three clubs but, uh, said no. They didn't go ahead with it. But all these other clubs, it's, it's just the way they all unfolded. Like, like Nurijan said, it came out one day, then over in a space of a couple of days, it, it became near, no, near to nothing, right? All the fans kicked up a fuss. So I think it was the Chelsea fans that went and protested first. And and it just kicked off across all the other fans as well in other teams, um, and it's just not sustainable. As Nurjan was saying, for the smaller teams, man, it's not going to work. Um, if if you go for this elite teams, there's no sense of an underdog. There's never going to be that either. It will just be the elite playing consistently, yeah. constantly. Then even if they have a bad year, they will just come back mm. the following year. There's no relegation. There's no promotion. It's just stale. Yeah. Right. And yeah, no one wants yeah, yeah. that in football. It's it's it is a lot of people described it as um, um, it, it's the working man or working class sport or you know, um, yeah. And and people pay hard earned money to watch these games to 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 get entertained as well. Yeah. Take that away from them to watch just 
potentially what would be the the best against the best and and not seeing anything quite um like uh, mom, like momentous in history yeah. then that that would take it away from for a lot of fans and i think yeah. like a lot of the times you know like when you have spectacles like you know man united versus madrid or barca or whatever it might be they are huge spectacles which don't necessarily happen every season so when it does happen it's like this is going to be magical exactly. this is going to be insane exactly. yeah. but when you see it week in week out you're like eh, mm. you know what what, yeah. what is this and- and you ain't going to get stuff like, can they do it on a cold, rainy night on Stoke, on Stoke bro? Exactly. Exactly, bro. Happen? So true. Not That's going it. to happen. It's just, yeah, nah. But, but like the whole rich getting richer, that's been happening from like beginning, you know? Um, think about how much <clears throat> tickets cost a United game, right? Say 10 years ago. Mm. And now, the prices are ridiculous, right? And what, like... I read something quite some time ago and one of the things I liked about Dortmund was that their prices were, their ticket prices were kept relatively cheap in comparison to all of the other, like the big, um, big football clubs and how, mm. how much they charge. And I was like, okay, it's, if it's meant to be a working class game, then, you know, charge working class money for it rather yeah. than paying like ridiculous amounts. <clears throat> I don't think it's a. I don't. I didn't agree with the statement that they were saying it's a working class game because at the end of the day, it's a business, yeah. and it is about making money in where where can you can as well. If you look at West Ham as a prime example, when they moved from Upton Park, um, a lot of local businesses lost out a fair bit of money in a lot of local yeah. restaurants as well. Um, they lost out, um, and I think moving into to the Olympic Stadium, they, they, I think they had to increase their prices, man. They had to increase their prices for. Um, so for, for food, to alcohol, to the tickets, they have to keep up with the cost of, you know, mm. of, of um, having a place like that. And, and, mm. it, and, it's, and it's sad because a lot of the fans, are, they're diehard fans, man, that, that, that would support the team regardless of what they do. Yeah, it's true. It's just, I, yeah, it, I agree with Nuru, like the how it, it's just going to look stale. It's just the same stuff again and again. But, reality is like rich get richer all the time and it's hard it's hard to get out of this this rat race of like yeah oh, let's just do what we can let's try as hard as you can because at the end of the day so many things have to come together for someone to get rich so to speak is that one obviously is your work ethic you have to work hard but then you have to work smart as well trying to find out but then also you need a place where you can or opportunities to meet certain people opportunities to develop your ideas and and so many things have to come together for you to get to a point where you go oh i'm i'm rich or whatever but then like we talked about success and failures it's not it's not always about the money is it it's it's more about your happiness like what are you how how happy are you when you go to sleep at night have you do you feel like you've done everything that you can and you've enjoyed it or are you just like running this thing that you don't want to yeah i've got a statistic for you actually because you were talking about uh ticket prices uh and all that and obviously we spoke about uh dortmund and Bayern. they flat out refused to join it uh because obviously the way the bundesliga works in terms of pricing and all that stuff compared to the premier league right so a quick stat for you right so uh i've, I've just picked arsenal uh because they just came on top that would be interesting uh, all right so Adult season ticket for Arsenal, nineteen twenty season. How much do you think uh, the cheapest adult season ticket for Arsenal is? Nine hundred. Close. Eight hundred ninety-one pound. Okay, that was, that was pretty good. Have you been looking into this shit? Um, I remember reading an article about it before and how Arsenal are, are, are up there for their yeah. ticket prices. Cool. Mm. All right, so let's let's call it nine hundred quid to go see Arsenal season ticket. Yeah. Uh, let me just quickly check Man United's one. Uh, Mate, cheapest Man United season ticket is 532. The most expensive Man United season ticket is 950. So anyway, but we'll stick with Arsenal. Okay, so 900 quid for the cheapest season ticket. We Let's look at Bayern, yeah? Bayern Munich. Uh, the cheapest season ticket for Bayern Munich for a season, 145 euros. Wow. What? How does that? I don't understand. What? How, how does that? <laughs> 145 euros. Wow. That's... Dortmund season ticket is actually more than Bayern's. Dortmund season ticket is 220. 
euros. But Even still, more. you compare that Bro, to Arsenal charging to 900 Arsenal. quid That's for crazy. a season ticket. Uh, and another another statistic for you. So the English clubs that were kind of roped into joining the ESL, all their chairmen, American. Oh, yeah. So the argument Where's came the out. Glazer family, right? Yeah. yeah. So the argument came out. Obviously, in America, you got the NFL, the NBA. Hmm. Yes, they're sports, but they're treated more like businesses than sports. Football mm. is a sport, is a fan sport. And the way that the American mentality is, is turning it into a business, which is what attracted this whole financial, you know, gain and all this bullshit that yeah. came with the ESL. Yeah. So the, there was a lot of kind of um, uh, projected uh, stuff about how Americans are trying to ruin football. Firstly, they call it soccer, which does not make any fucking sense in the first place. Soccer. So don't get me started on that. And then they but, call and then they call they call a sport that they throw the ball. They call football. it football. And then they call a sport that they kick the ball soccer. I'm sorry, Americans. I, if any of you are listening, I it just doesn't make sense. My question yeah. is how they came up with soccer, yeah? Because like all other like baseball, I understand you have bases and you have a ball. Yeah. Netball speaks for itself. Basketball speaks for itself. Where the fuck do you get soccer from? No idea. I have no clue. No idea. But they're like, this whole thing with America is like, America, sometimes I see it as it's like capitalism at its, at its peak. It's just, it's just so, it's the American dream, isn't it? You can go there, you can build a product, you can build a business and you can be successful. Or you can, you can have a lot of money. Yeah. And it translates like because I worked this like translates into healthcare spaces or so I worked in a private healthcare and the vibe that you get there comparison to the vibe that you get in the NHS is completely different like it's just completely different it, they try to change the culture they try to bring in new staff members and all of that but just you could tell I worked there for six months and I went hmm no, not the place. Not the place for me. Private just, wasn't for you. Private. I mean, private in that sense wasn't for me. I mean, I would consider. Yeah, I would. I would consider private in some other sense, like say, uh, research in in pharmaceuticals. I would try it, test it out because I ain't been there, so I wouldn't know. Uh, again, private in tech would try it out too. But this private in healthcare was just, man. I could see. I was like, sorry, no. It's more of like the business side of it, money side of it. Yeah. And even in the induction, they were like, okay, so this is how much uh, the NHS pays us per day, per bed. I was like, okay, right. From the get-go, it's about the money. It's about the numbers and the money. Yeah, it's a business for them at the end of the day. And for them, they might not have the 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 passion and also the the knowledge of footballers as a lot of the UK businesses or the UK fans would as well. So for them, it's just about making money. It's about numbers to, and they don't give a shit about this, the small fries. Yeah. Exactly. I just wanna, but at the end of the day, and what to, I think for me, what was interesting as well and what people couldn't let slide was that like Nuri said, all the uh, Premier League teams took a U-turn, right? But you can't just take a U-turn after what you've just done. Right. You are, you have, as an, as a club, you've made a decision to join this, this league, this super league. And you knew exactly well, what would have happened if you did that, what the repercussions are, what the consequences were, and how would the ripple effect would be on other teams, right? And the Premier League. But the fact that you've made a turnaround doesn't change that. It still leaves a sour taste in your mouth. It still makes some people question whether they want to even support these teams if they're after just the money and that, and that's something I don't really blame people, but the way football is the way people are, I think it will, it will kind of be a thing of the past in not mm. too long. People forget people, people love these teams. They adore these guys. Um, so Karen is normal. All the other Premier League teams, actually, I think they had a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. At, yeah. At, without all these, these big six teams. Right, and that's, you, that's you know when I read that. You know when I read that, the first thing that came into my head was the Kage Summit from Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh. <clears throat> a self-proclaimed top six man. That's 
crazy. I just find it jokes how Tottenham were in the mix and Arsenal, to be fair. What's going on? What is going on? I don't understand. I don't understand. Uh, Leicester has more trophies than Tottenham. Just just saying, just saying. But Leicester went in it, you know. Yeah. That's just crazy, bro. That's funny, but again, it's 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 not about the trophies, it's about who how much money you have, like how how much is of your fan base, but then you're not looking at your fans as well. You're like, that's just that's just mad. It's crazy. Are you you seen as elite because you're you're linked to, to Emirates, to Emirates Airline, you know? Yeah, is that all it takes, of course. <laughs> but you know, hopefully, let let this be a lesson to the football federations and probably just sport in general. And pretty much like when you look at it holistically, don't try and fuck with fan sports because the fans will come together and they will overthrow you. So you might be sitting there in your ivory They'll towers, shit up millions, billions, but you know the working class man or woman who love the game, when they come together, mate, you got no chance. Especially when you're investing money into it as well, right? You're watching, you're paying to watch these sports. Mm. You are invested into it. You, you know, you're part of that world as well in that sense, on, a, yeah. on some level. So you have, a, you have a place to say something. You have a place to share your opinion, tell it and, say, and share your qualms. That's it, man. I understand, like, they, they were trying to pioneer something. They were trying to build something and bring something together. But if you're going to build something, and you're not going to help or you're not going to solve a problem, it's not going to work, is it? Where is yeah. the problem in this that you're trying to this solve? Is, this is Kartik's philanthropist side yeah, coming but, through. But this, this if is the it equivalent. ain't going to help you, I don't want to know. Yeah, but this, exactly. this, this, this is the equivalent of getting one of those, those, those hats that look like an umbrella. It serves no purpose. <laughs> Whoever made it thought, this is a fantastic idea. I've got the best creation ever. <laughs> you brought it out you're like what the hell you know it was some guy in china somewhere because they're all about that funky stuff yeah they're all they're about not. them funky stuff <laughs> some guy in china yeah. was like shit it's raining and i can't be asked to hold an umbrella let me get me one of them hats that's, that's the equivalent of this eso that's what i think of it a shitty umbrella hat oh <laughs> god but, okay yeah. I've, I've got a question on this yeah so so we just we, we talked about how the the people who are managing the clubs they pretty much kind of know about football but don't know about football well enough right so what are your thoughts on people coming into a role that they don't know or, or they came from a different background and they're taking over especially management this happens a lot right they've been a manager in something else or somewhere else and then they come in and every manager who comes in who doesn't have an experience in that role is trying to learn is trying to make their mark on that on that place and also trying to bring what they know from outside without think, the passion, um, so to speak, I guess. You can kind of relate this to literally everyday office life as well. Um, and I think this is what's, uh, what was quite cool about it. Like uh, one of the things, you know, you, you guys all heard the phrase, fake it till you make it, yeah? Well, I've been faking it for a yeah. minute, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I joke, I kind of my shit. But... I've worked with managers who, for example, if I've been working in a company and a new manager comes in uh, and I'm thinking to myself, you ain't going to last, bro. You have no idea what the fuck you're doing. How did you get this job? And uh, I think that, and there's been a couple of times where they've done a complete U-turn, like they've transformed something. But there's been other times when said manager is, doesn't really last too long. And I think it's one of these things where like, it really depends on you know where you're working when you're working or if you're managing something like a football club or a sports club you're out in the public eye yeah every little wrong result that comes your way you're going to get scrutinized for it Mm. and you're not going to last long hence you know nowadays football managers don't really last too long um in their job role you know jose Mourinho made 100 million close to 100 million from all his sackings what? Oh yeah, because they have to pay him um... severance pay. Yeah, right. you know what's you know what cool about him? Yeah? There was an interview. Um, I think he was leaving his house, and um, I think he was so confident he was like, "I'm not going anywhere. I know I'll be back." <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> yeah, it's Jose Mourinho. Who would not want him as a as a manager, man? Exactly. But, it's just um, like, and he knows he's in the high up in the pecking order, so he would just be like, "Oh, it's cool. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll just step down." Bro, can can you imagine on. you're in a position where you can go like work five jobs, get sacked from all five jobs, and walk away with a hundred million? That's crazy, isn't it? Bro, Sign me crazy. up, bro. 
Bro, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make a million working one job and it ain't working. No, man trying to work a, make, make a grind right here, let alone a million, man. <laughs> so you know what you were saying about the whole manager thing? I'll, I'll probably, if, if for football, I'll translate it to the owners, for example, or, you know, the people who inject the money into it. Um, I think they work. Even if they're faking it till they make it, in a sense, and they don't know about football, I think they'll just work smarter and not harder and just hire people to do the, do the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I look yeah. at, I think, watching All or Nothing, the, the Spurs one, Spurs series, you look at Daniel Levy, he, that's exactly what he does. He looks at it from um, a business point of view, looks at the statistics mm. and what's, what he can see, how, how he can um, translate success, right? Um, and that is, are you getting wins? Are you getting trophies? And how are your players doing, basically? Right. And, and that's all he sees success as. Um, and for him, it's it that's that was that is all he knows. And that's what he brought to the table. And whatever else he needs, he'll just hire the right people. That's why he brought Mourinho along. That's why he got mm. Mourinho's team along. He's got all these spot on physiotherapists. He doesn't have to do anything just that he's he's um, bringing the money. And per, a person that thinks that they're just bringing in the money thinks that they have um that they're the best person for the job in that sense but yeah. it's not the case it's definitely it's not. not the case yeah money doesn't necessarily equate to results right not at all no yeah all. So it's like, and, and some some managers who come in who who know that who know the game who know the passion behind it all um in like in a work environment as well uh that's like when so, when a manager comes in and they know the place they know the they know the heart of it they know what they're trying to do they come in and they kind of hit the hit the ground running and they're good and they they're also happy to say no this doesn't work i know i put it in place this doesn't work let's try something else yeah. right yeah yeah go on, and, sorry, I, go on. and i was going to say like the the manager with um liverpool Klopp. Mm. i've always loved Klopp, bro from He's like from dortmund Klopp. from dortmund days i was like bro what a character this, yeah, and the way he brought up Dortmund as well, from from a team that was that was good to absolutely great, just like just smash it. When he was at Klopp, when Klopp was at Dortmund, they were beating Bayern out of the park, bro. It was just it was amazing to watch. He brought that, that magic along, good. man. Yeah, well, it was he, good he football, it for Liverpool bro. as well, didn't he? So hundred yeah, percent, definitely. Yeah. It was definitely fun football to watch. It was like counter attacking, fast. It, it was it was. Beautiful to watch. Yeah, yeah so I, I loved Klopp and I wanted him over at United. I would, I would. Have oh, taken, it would be amazing. I would have taken so him amazing. a punch. Ooh. But um, I was going to say, and also it all depends on who you're living. Like, also as a, in that position, I think about um, if you can um, live up to the the standards of of what the team is as well. If you, if you look at David Moyes as well, he's a, he's a good manager, right? He was a good manager in the past for uh, Everton. He was managed for West Ham as well, wasn't he? Who? David uh, Moyes. Moyes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was. He yeah. was, yeah. Yeah. And he did he did well, really well on those teams. But when you come up to the caliber of Man United with the with the expectations of that that are placed on you as a manager for Man United as well, right? You're one of the top four teams. You're expected to to win, have mm. um, you know, success. So to meet that, it's a completely different ball game. He said he probably thought he could take it at the time. But yeah, boy. It's and it's a, also it's also ethos, isn't it? It's like what does your does your character fit the the team or the place that you're going to? Is it yeah? Is it okay for you? Do you would you thrive at it? Will you not? Because if you take uh, and that's what I think one of the reasons why Mourinho didn't succeed at United was because he did change. He went from a very defensive game with uh, Chelsea to to United. He started playing a bit more attack, but. United was never a defensive, defensive team. No, we were no. attack is the best form of defense. That's what yeah. United were with, about. With, mm. with Fergie, Fergie stamped that into the DNA, bro. Like 23 years of just like, just going, yeah. Fergie time. Come on, go, go. <laughs> Fergie oh. time. You know how many times I got me so excited? Oh, just just waiting for the last God. few minutes. You know, when Fergie looked at his watch, you know, you know, it was something was going to happen. When, yeah, when he yeah, did yeah. the whole... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew, you knew. I've never so, seen someone chew gum that fast as well. Those but yeah, you know that man's got stocks in Wrigley's. <laughs> Big time. Hundred percent. Social's good though. I I like how social's been played where we, we come back after after being down. Yeah, right now come back kings. Just yeah. got balls to the ball and attack, innit? That's it. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. All right, then, lads. So uh, I suppose we've spoken enough about football, and I think we might be losing a fair uh, few of our female <laughs> listeners here. So let's let's move you on to you know. So everyone who's been listening up to this point, thank you very much for your your keen interest. We will move on to something a little bit more current, a little bit more universal, um, and a little bit more upsetting, I guess. Uh, I, I know we did a uh, that serious episode a little while ago, but I think we're going to transition into that one right now. Uh, so one of the big things that came out was obviously the whole George Floyd murder case, uh, the uh, the actual kind of final result for it. So the officer of, who had his knee on George, George Floyd's neck was found to be uh, guilty of murder on, I believe, three, three accounts. Um, mm. What's your thoughts on it? Do you think it was pretty much a, you know, an open and shut case that just got dragged on too long for it or... Oh man, um, yeah, it was, but I also think it's not just him; it's systemic. So, so yes, it's a step in the right direction to charge one person with murder because it doesn't matter how systemic something is; it's also part of your, it's part of your conscience to conscience to to not put that much harm on one person to kill him, yeah. right? Um, but I think it's more it's more like the the whole system has to has to kind of change now, has to think about it because otherwise it's just gonna carry on happening. You know, it's still happening where some guy got shot because one of the police officers mis- mistook the gun for taser. Yeah, Dante, right. Yeah. I was like, what? Mm. Come on, man. And that's that's systemic. Those those things are systemic and like profiling, that's systemic and all of this. So and my other thoughts is on how I understand the family were were relieved, but everyone celebrating that he got charged. I'm a bit. I'm a bit. I don't. I don't know. I'm a bit. We, yeah. I, I don't know. The people we don't. We don't live. Yeah. In America. We don't live the. It's a different dynamic in America, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and the challenges they may face on on a daily basis wherever it may be but i think for them it was all, all always about justice right will justice be served and will this guy get what he get what he get what right um one second yeah um and and the fact of the matter is you're right one thing doesn't change anything and it does change in sense but it doesn't change the fact that the system is flawed that that it needs to start in the heart of the police police system as well and people need to change their matter but you can't it's so difficult to change the mindset of someone that's a racist. Mm. You know, someone I've, that has is power hungry, who has that authority in them that will use that against somebody like this. Yeah. I've got a question for you guys. Okay. And this came out um, as a result of obviously um, the, the final verdict um, of the police officer. Now, how much do you guys believe in second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, basically given chances upon chances because one of the arguments that came out as a result of this was like obviously it was quite prominent the fact that George was a black male and the officer was a white male so obviously the whole BLM movement the whole blacks versus white kind of thing is very very prominent at the moment however the biggest thing or one of the biggest things that's come out of it is like there was a well some people are saying the officer had a right to kind of detain him that way because George was a known felon. He was a known convict. And one of the things that have come out is the fact that, you know, everyone is celebrating the conviction um, of the officer. Uh, You're turning George into like an icon, a martyr, but really and truly take a look at his rap sheet. Um, I've got his rap sheet in front of me. And George's history was in 98, uh, he spent 10 months in prison for armed robbery. 2002, eight months in prison for cocaine. 2004, 10 months in prison for cocaine. 2005, another 10 months in prison for cocaine. 2007, five years for armed robbery of a pregnant woman in a home. So he's got a rap sheet on him. He does. There's no two ways about it. However, do you think that justifies the way he was treated and ultimately led to his death? I think it, uh, <clears throat> what you've just said to me is 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 more about the the man, right? But 
I think the bigger picture is is more about the issue of of police brutality. Yeah, and, and that that's what we need to look at more than anything right here. And and I think for a lot of people in in America, especially, it was the fact that it was there was a consistent amount of these cases and issues that popped up, right? And enough was enough. Enough is enough, and people mm. and someone needed to speak up. That's why it got to the stage. It could have been anyone, and it was the same for here as well with when with Mark Duggan, mm. right? It could have been, it could have been anyone, right? Yeah, and and it would have tipped over, but to to for us to pinpoint and look at what George Floyd did, I think it's um, it takes away from the actual issue at hand. Yeah, uh, which which isn't what we should be looking at either. Um, I don't I don't think they should have used that force on him. That, yeah, that level regardless, of force regardless, yeah, yeah regardless um, to, to have to detain him. Yeah, I'm all for like second chances, third, fourth, because few things is one one is that prison is meant to be a place of rehabilitation. It shouldn't be a place where you just kind of cycle and it goes through that same cycle. Um, and second is that if our justice system works off the principle of innocent until proven guilty, and that's a case by case basis rather than a person basis. If a person is marked as guilty, so he does something wrong, they're in a bad place, they do something wrong, and then they are guilty. And then that guilt transpires or that guilt is labeled throughout their life, then you're not giving them an opportunity to change right because you you treat the person as if they're guilty from the get-go then the person then the question comes up like why should i even try why Mm. should i even try to rehabilitate and go into society right so if we're if we're in that framework then no he shouldn't be he shouldn't have been treated that way regardless because it should have been that they found something and or they detained him in a way that should not have caused harm in that that severity, right? I understand when you detain someone, you would get into physical harm, right? But how, how, how far are you going to take it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Nuri was asking about the the police officer as well. Like, should he be given a, a second chance? Yeah, I mean that, that that also as well because it it does kind of it all kind of coincides uh, with the whole, you know, give people chances kind of thing. And maybe in a different time, in a different place, if, for example, this whole racism movement wasn't as strong as it is, do you think the verdict would have been potentially different? All, I think all the, all the police officers have to obviously justify why they used that level of reasonable, that level of force as well. And if, and if they could, if it was justified at that time as well. But mm. so to think about it, I think it would have had the same level of, of impact as it has not had now as well, because yeah. he technically did kill a man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the fact that when you're knowingly harming a person for nine whole minutes, when they're crying out for help, I think that's, mm. that's a little bit fucked up. Big time. Um, you know, there's, there's things that happen on accident i'm not for example condemning or promoting anything but say for example you let fire of a gun okay that's an instantaneous thought sometimes impulse but it's it's like an action that takes you know a moment's um mm. uh, it, it's like a momentary action right and sometimes you might do it without thinking without purpose it just happens however when you're consciously kneeling yeah. on someone's neck yeah man hearing them shout for their life yeah it puts a different spin on things yeah yeah i guess it's it's also about um two again two two trains of thoughts one is that it's uh it's a thought that when you wake up as a police officer it's it's the fact that you have the authority to take not authority you have the power to take a life mm. so and we we are not trained in that way right so we don't if we had a gun, yeah, we have, we may have a slip up, a bad day, whatever, m- may fire something. But, and I understand second chances, third chances, but it's, a, it's about mindset and having that mindset constantly that, okay, this could take someone's life. 
So I should be very careful with it rather than I pull it out at any, any, any point. It's if you've also, it's also, if you've, if you've gone away with it many times, it's, it's a factor of confidence as well. And with that power that you have as a, as a police officer, you know, if, if you've been able to do something and you've never been questioned about it, or you've never, you know, you've never got to that stage where you've actually killed someone, you know, you would, that, that is a power trip and a dangerous Mm. power trip, man, that, that someone can have. I had another no, thought. Absolutely. I completely forgot what it was. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I was gonna say about I was gonna say about the the other the other situation with Dante Wright, which card that you touched on was um the police officer who obviously shouted taser instead of picking up her taser, she picked up her, her actual gun, her firearm, and shot the guy in the chest, right? It was and fatal, right? Yeah, I think yeah, he, yeah. he got back into the car and he and he literally started driving off and he lost control of the car, hit a barrier or hit another car. And he was, he was dead. He was found dead. So Damn. it's just the fact that, yes, she, she did that. But unlike the guy with George Floyd, I think she's just an in, incompetent police officer. Mm. She's completely incompetent. I remember speaking to Lydia and she was like, do you think she did it by accident? You know? And I did, I was like, nah, surely someone wouldn't be that, that stupid. And yeah, you're right. You know, it's, you can, you can kind of, try and find every reason possible in the heat of the moment, this, that, and the other, but it does come down to competency. When you're, when you're possessing something that's literally like enough, like let's be real. When you lick off a bullet intentionally or whatnot, you're shooting to kill. You are shooting to kill or harm. You're not going to just let off a a bullet for the fun of it. Yeah, it, it is. It's that intent of, it's scary, bro. Like just having having a gun, um, it puts you in a position where you could you could take someone's life. Hundred percent. You know, um, and I'm so glad that I live in a country where guns are banned. Absolutely, but they're accessible, and that's the thing. Oh, they 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 you can obviously you can get them with a, a license, but also you can also get them on the streets. You know what I mean? You can get them. Um, you can buy one. There's so many people that have them. It's crazy. I remember in Newham, I think, or in somewhere in, in London, they did an, a firearm amnesty. Um, and the amount of guns that came in. No way. Like, automatic guns as well, like, and firearms as well, not just pistols and handguns. And you think to yourself, how the hell did you get it? If if it is, you know, um, if it is um, governed in that sense, like, how does that work? It's yeah. Crazy. Do you think that though, because say for example, the UK, because guns are illegal, that's why things like knife crime is more prevalent because it is a, an alternative weapon to a gun that might, that is obviously, you know, a knife is far more accessible, you know, you got all sorts uh, of knives, far more accessible than a gun. Do you think that's one of the reasons why knife crime, and we've seen in the last week as well, uh, you know, we've discussed it on the podcast before, teens getting stabbed you know people in their early 20s getting stabbed over little stupid things you know Canada goose jackets uh most notably this week um electric fucking scooter such a shit shit you know like what is the world coming to i we talked about this just before the pod but i'm gonna bring it up um so when when doing child development module they we looked at a map of young people's play area from 20 years ago to 10 years ago to now not even 20 years ago probably like 40 50 years ago and about 40 50 years ago you were you you were able to as a young person like 13 14 15 you were able to go to a uh to like a little lake or a pond or whatever to a lake about say eight miles 10, 15 miles out, walk, do what you want, like do fishing, swimming, whatever, and then come back. And uh, just listen to my parents, like their stories is like on oh, Sri Lanka, they they would be, they would go to the lake, they would swim. Uh, and my dad was saying like, yeah, I, I, I learned to swim in a lake. And then he casually dropped, he goes, oh yeah, there were crocodiles in the lake too. And I was like, you learned to swim in a lake with crocodiles. Yeah, and then Dad you would <laughs> bear grills or something. Steve, I was like, you wouldn't, 
if we at your age at, at that age you wouldn't even let us go to the end of the road let alone let alone to a lake with crocodiles you know and so it brought up the whole issue of or the conversation of well peter did pedophiles not exist at that age or did crime not exist at that at that time you know 30 40 50 years ago no it did but we have more awareness of it now and what's that awareness causing us is that awareness causing us more stress and more fear or is that awareness causing us to change the system and how we live it's like the whole question of our all, all kids do nowadays is sit at home and play games well yes but kids are not allowed to go out because of everything that's going wrong so it's like a whole dilemma you're what's that phrase that they say uh catch 22 yeah yeah it, it's it's a catch 22 it's right? the whole thing what comes first the ch- chicken or the egg chicken or the egg situation. yeah, yeah. i'm like i don't know i, I just i just feel it's it's good to have this awareness but i also feel like sometimes the awareness put too much burden and pressure on us and we we try to make the right decision all the time and it just it just gives us anxiety at the end of the day mm, yeah i think with what Nuru was saying as well i think with yes because there are, are guns are not as easily accessible that people are able to get knives quite easily as well do you know, and if, if someone has the intent of, of hurting someone and killing somebody, they'll find a way of, of doing it. Mm. Let it be acid, let it be let it be a knife, let it be Yeah, do you guys when acid was like big, like literally like yeah. people <clears throat> using acid left, right, and center, like burning up people's faces. Yeah, I mean I yeah, man, it's, it's it's crazy. It was just the fact that someone had the the intent and the mindset to, to harm someone for life. Do you know what I mean? And then that's crazy. But yeah, with nice knife knife crime is so prevalent in this country it's unbelievable you speak to some other people in other places and they're just surprised by it because it's just so foreign to them but we've it's so normalized for us here in a way um and it's we also, talk about it's it. quite centralized in in london as well like london's like a really heightened knife crime location mm, yeah i think i think there are other knife crimes in other parts of the uk but it's just whether they're spoken of um i remember reading up about it as well there's um, I think it was in Akala's book and or in one of his interviews, he was saying there's there's a lot of, there were killings in, in other parts of England and there were the, the guys who had the knives were Caucasian. They weren't gang related, but they mm. weren't really spoken about either. They didn't hit the the profile or the you know mm. the, the news as much as it should have. And that's something we spoke about, didn't we? Before the podcast was about profiling. Oh, yeah, the, yeah the, the, absolutely. The news of a knife crime and 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 a black team perhaps killing somebody or um who made the news and had more of a um coverage than the the guy who jumped into the the thames to to save that lady or tried to say did, that did you just say the thames yeah i heard thames, that as well did you, you, you said say thames you, you, you said thames you said thames what no. the hell is the thames bro <laughs> river river thames river thames thames the thames when did, when did the thames, thames. turn into a thames okay. <laughs> listen you guys read me about auntie agatha and, and <laughs> yeah. i'm not i'm not letting this go nah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't let it go you make me feel all hot, hot and flustered right now i hurt <laughs> hot yeah me. yeah so my man jumped into the thames uh to save <laughs> a woman who'd uh who'd fallen in and yeah you're right it's I mean, it got media coverage, don't get me wrong, but I found more media coverage of that on social media than, for example, the actual True. news. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But whereas, you're right, if there was something, for example, a black male, black female, whoever it is, or someone of the BAME community, we're going to speak about BAME. Oh, we're going to talk about that one. Okay, all right, <laughs> yeah. we're going to speak about this in a second. But if someone of the BAME nice community segues. committed a crime, mm. uh, it will be a lot more prevalent. It will be publicized more compared to if, for example, a Caucasian counterpart I was to do the same thing and you're right it's profiling and it is it is racism but it's one of these racism things that just it's not gonna die is it uh, i hope it does <laughs> i hope it does i hope it dies in our time bro i hope it, i hope we can see it that as long as there's media coverage much you like that and um they're always gonna pick out the points that people are gonna wanna see yeah or wanna wanna read about 
It's going to carry on, man. But are we are we so systemically ingrained that we cannot change it? I'm I'm a optimist and I'm hoping, I'm an optimist as well. I'm but... hoping by the time we get older and we are the ones or our generations are the ones who are owning the media coverage or even like with social media, right? We have a bigger say now yeah. that it just doesn't happen to that same extreme, yeah. maybe. Think, yeah, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an optimist as well, but I'm also being a realist. And a lot of the people that I know wouldn't want to yeah. for these sort of, these um, these outlets, news outlets, but they'll probably start their their own to push it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I that, think it's, it's progressive. Like, you know, if we look at history, history has shown that the world has been progressive even things like for example you know abolishing of the slave trade that happened equality and diversity that's kicking in now it's more prevalent in workplaces everywhere we look so it's progressive uh you know you get positive discrimination uh again which is again progressive to a degree uh whether people agree with it or not maybe that's something for a different uh different podcast uh and obviously that leads us nicely on to um what you guys were saying off mic the whole BAME term now I did not know or I did not hear about this so you guys are going to educate me on this now Yo, so go for it Bro, do your thing okay so I've just heard like bits and um I don't know where I said it or said it somewhere and someone said don't bit that whole concept or the whole uh term BAME is being rejected by people and I'm like and it's and it's becoming a big enough issue that it's um it's a word and that word is being banned so to speak or it maybe is coming to that point and so i'm i'm like i don't understand what is it what is it that people don't like about the word fame do you think that okay so i'm i'm just kind of spitballing here so i could be completely way off base so the word bame was introduced to obviously describe people of you know, obviously black, Asian, mixed, la la la, people of color. Okay. Mm-hmm. So do you think by using the word BAME, it kind of hones in on the fact that you are a person of color. You don't see them as an individual. You don't see them as a person, but you're more seen as your BAME. You're a person of color. This is what you are. And it takes away the human side of what they are and it kind of labels them. Similar to say, for example, if you're in prison, you're a rapist, you're a pedophile, you're a murderer. So when you look at someone of color or whatever, and you're like, oh, they're BAME, it labels them. Is, do you think that Maybe. has a certain stigma to it? Maybe. But I, I, I also think that we need someone to educate us on this as well, because I, I, I don't see the. I don't see this, the what's it the issue in BAME. But maybe because I I don't see it. Someone kind of has to talk to me and open my mind a little bit about it. But my understanding is if we if we don't label it and we just yeah, if we don't label it, then how are we going to address it? Right? Because this is something that needs to be addressed. This is a community that is a minority especially in this place that we live in. So how are we going to, how are we going to address the issues that come up for this community? Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So I don't know what the issue is, but I've heard that, okay, that term is not to be used as much. I was reading up about it now. And what some people are saying is when, when you think of BAME, what, what is your immediate immediate thought which groups or ethnic groups do you think of i think when i hear bame i don't think you're black you're mixed you're asian what i think is you're not white so i think mm. the other way i don't think you are this i'm thinking you're not this that's what comes yeah. to my head yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i Same. guess and, uh, so yeah that, that's what you would think and and some people would put in um other groups that are not being thought of for example are gypsies Right. And, um, and, and is that fair? Is, is there a, a good representation of what is considered to be BAME? That's what they're trying to say in, on these articles. But, and, and it's a label that not everyone, that they think is a trend. I personally think it's, it's done a lot of good for me um, in the sense that um, it's created opportunities 
that may not have been made available to me if there wasn't a specific group for it. So for within media, for example, I applied for jobs as as is, and I couldn't find anything until I found Bain groups. And um, I've shared it with you before as well, Kardik. Yeah. There are groups specifically where they share opportunities and they want to know if you're part of a BAME group because they know statistically there there is an issue that there is not representation in these areas within the media industry. So so that's why there was a push. Um, and you need to, yeah, and I think it's important to label it so you know where the gaps are, right? Yeah. So, so you're seeing it from a, a positive standpoint where, for example, if an industry or environment is heavily um, white or Caucasian orientated, the introduction of a BAME category isn't to be like, you know, highlight racism or whatever. It's to be like, we want to diversify. We want to bring in other other thoughts, other values, other visions. And in order to do that, we need people from a certain community to come in and deliver that, which is why we're in effect giving you this label because it allows us to attract the right people to, part, to yeah, make part, us better partly that yeah exactly partly that but also it's a platform to address that there is racism it is a platform to say that yes these are the communities that um feel like they've been uh, marginalized that they, they feel like they've been you know affected by this in in everyday life to to work um work environment so that's why it's been created. I remember when um, there we have—I think I must have told you—we have an anti-racism manager mm. within the Red Cross. So to actually have a, a specific role created mm. just for this—that there's been a conversation about this with, on obviously, with the board, and that they've come to a decision to create a job like this. To do that just shows you, you know, their. I think it's sad. I think it's so disappointing that needs something like that needs to be in place in the first place. It just shows you that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Mm. Um, but I think it's also positive because it's like put your 100%. put your money where your mouth is, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Employ someone who is there. Put your resources into something that's like okay, it's a problem, and you've identified it. So don't don't just speak about it. Don't just create groups that are supportive, but you know it's free and it's created by the community. Make the organization go, organization go, you have to pay for this. You have to put some resources in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, right? I remember as well when when everything did happen with George Floyd and there was a big movement with the with the, um, the Black Lives Matter movement. It felt like a lot of organizations just had to address it. I don't know how you guys feel. Um, it, and it mm. felt like they had to address it because they had no other choice but to address it. Um, just like you said, just to say that yes, we are, we we feel your pain. We understand where you're coming from, and we support you guys. Mm. Rather than taking action, yeah. rather than proactively doing something um, to change, um, change way yeah. things systemically. I think uh, one of the things that helped, or one of the things that was done well, is to is saying that silence is just as bad as doing something the opposite way. So if you're just, if you're just sitting there and you're, you're silent about all of the injustice that's happening, then you might as well endorse that injustice, right? Instead of just, and listen, after that snigger, I lost my thought. What, <laughs> what are you laughing for, no, no, bro? No, no. It, was, it was good, it was good what you were saying. I totally agree with you, silence is, um... It basically you're watching back. You're you're a um, you're a bystander in a way. Yeah. Mm. No, agreed. And I think you know this is one of these things where we're going to be talking about this week in week out on this on this podcast for numerous things. You know, like this week we're talking about George Floyd. We're talking about London stabbings, teens losing their lives over stupid shit. You know, next week is going to be something different. It's going to be something different the week after that. So it's. I suppose the only thing we can kind of do is try and within our little community that we have um, try and promote it, get, get the message out there and make people a bit more aware of what the hell is kind of happening. Um, but to be fair, you know, it'd be interesting if we can get someone who's like a, um, I, I hate to use the word now since you guys have said it, but you know, a BAME say it, man. specialist, uh, say someone, it. someone who's kind of a little bit more versed in the ins and outs of it all. It'll be cool to get someone like that possibly on there to to talk to us about it and um, 
and yeah just kind of give their kind of more subject matter expert thoughts on it i think that'd be pretty cool yeah hmm. okay cool. uh, uh yeah right i think we're kind of uh yeah coming towards the end of our time here so any any last words from you guys no man no violence bye violence silence i said silence violence no no keep the peace people wow love thy neighbor honestly just oh man it it makes me so sad at the end of this just to think about the whole all these stabbings you know i mean all these lives that are lost um people need to just fix up man i've spoken to some people who are who are involved in or affiliated with gangs and they stepped away from it and they say i remember speaking to one guy and he said there was one moment which could have changed it all for him when they went to um find um they were driving in a car and they were trying to find other gang members from other rival gangs like Mm. on the streets just to cause just um you know just to hurt someone basically that's what they were going to do but he said i'm so glad we didn't find anyone that day because i could have ended up in in prison or just in a in a bad place Mm -hmm. so i asked him knowing that now in like 10 years on whatever it is now you're in your 30s would you what's your advice for would you advise younger people to to not obviously follow down that reason definitely like he tells his his family members, he tells people that are a lot younger that he comes across that try to associate themselves to these gangs to not not go down that route. I've been there, done that, and it's not worth it. Yeah, you know I mean, and that's what we need more of, man. People that are just going to come out and just tell these young the younger generation that it's not worth it. They don't throw that, your life away, man. There's so much more potential. Mm. You know what I mean, and so many people are trying that. There's so many people in the community that are trying that. So. I'm just hoping that that continues, man. That positivity continues, and people move away from these this gang shit. Absolutely, man. But uh, yeah, I think it's very uh, very deep episode we've had today. So I think uh, two billion nearly... Jaffa cakes. Yeah, two billion Jaffa yeah. cakes. Let's let's finish on a high. Two billion Jaffa cakes. Hundred percent. I'm cutting down on Jaffa cakes. I'm still not be happy about that. It's okay. I'm going to be delivering Jaffa cakes to your yard. Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, that guy all right then guys let's let's go enjoy the rest of our sunday uh thanks everyone for listening lips like like this Lipe. is after this is uh, life and tames your <laughs> oh i was thinking don't to myself, blame me I, don't you dare blame me about the lights i was thinking to myself you know i've done, I've done pretty well this podcast <laughs> i haven't fucked up much and then fucking like like <laughs> subscribe comment get the word out uh until next time folks peace peace i like you bye fuck off